Hey guys, it's Sangmin here. We want to introduce you guys to a new series about mental health. Um, this is something that Jesse and I constantly talk about as teachers, as Black and Asian Americans, and we thought it would be the best to keep coming back to this topic instead of having a single episode. So the first three parts will be with a guest speaker, Amber Anadehi, whom you'll meet in this episode. So before we start, here is trigger warning. We talk about a lot of hard topics like suicide, PTSD, trauma, etc. So please feel free to skip this episode if you don't feel comfortable. But do come back for the upcoming episodes. Welcome back to Soul and Soul. Um, I'm Jesse. I'm Sangmin. Um, and today we actually have a special guest. Yay! Introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Amber Inadehi. Don't say my last name because it's too much. <laughs> um, how long have I known you and how long have I been like, I'm not pronouncing that? I mean, she's known me her whole life, but she physically met me freshman <laughs> year. It was our first uh, FM class. Yes. If you know, you know. Yeah, that's when um, I met you. I and miss, then I, I miss me hearing. Oh, yeah. I'm going to talk about her. She's a big part of my mental health journey. So yeah, <laughs> it's I funny miss, that you brought her up. I miss but her. Yeah. <laughs> and then you want to know, you want me to tell them how long you've used to say my last name? Yes. The entire time. Okay. I mean, yep. my, my maiden name was Smith, but this name, she's like, I'm not going to do it. I'm just not. She, she didn't even try. Have you ever said it ever in your life? No, I, I must have in my heart. No, he was a fuck nigga. <laughs> I just never Period. Period. And you know what? I can't say anything. <laughs> I never bothered to learn that message. It was your spirit. The discernment was there, girl. I was just like, I'm not going to learn that. It was that Catholic school. Yes, girl. They got you right in your spirit, honey. That's the only thing you took from them. I've never attended a Catholic university. I thought you Catholic went to school? a Catholic school growing up. That little private school wasn't Catholic. No. It was just, just white Indiana people. Mm-hmm. That's the same thing. Just kidding. <laughs> I know Catholicism is not about white Indians. No, that's the Trump stuff, guys. I was that's, that's accurate. Yes, that's I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely accurate. Um, so actually, I feel like I forgot to introduce the topic. So we are actually going to do <laughs> an episode about mental health, which is why I invited Amber here today. So, um, let's get into it. Um, I got some questions for you, ladies. Oh, da, da, da. I did. Hold up. All right. So, what's your relationship with mental health? Should I start? Go for it. Okay. So, wait. Can we introduce like Amber's like mental health career ish stuff? Oh, and yeah. Ask her why we invited her. <laughs> Yeah. That's why you make the big bucks. All right. <laughs> All right. Okay. Why you, do you think want me to do that? Oh, well, I really didn't know at first. I was like, maybe she just remembers all those stories I told her in college, like about me going to counseling. <laughs> and maybe she got it. But um, when you start asking me about like my prior work experience, I'm like, oh, I actually would be a really good candidate. I thought mm-hmm. I was just here to speak for the ratchets, which mm-hmm. I can do. Um, you can do both. You can I can do both. You know, I'm multifaceted. Okay, mm-hmm. but yeah. So, um, I spent a lot of time working in nonprofit, but even before then, I spent some time in college 
taking classes. Um, one of my classes in particular, I worked inside a mental hospital and mm-hmm. we worked alongside the clients there to come up with patient care plans. And so it was really progressive. It was the first program of its kind in the country where the patients were directly involved in their care, which is really wow. smart because it's their care. And so a big <laughs> part of that was them like guiding us and leading us to like show us what it's like to have different mental illnesses. And so one of my favorite exercises that we did was um, a schizophrenia exercise where we had to wear headphones mm-hmm. and we had to complete different tasks. And the clients led us in the tasks. So we went to school, we went to the library, we had to like, you know, go shopping and do things like that. And the whole time we had to keep these headphones on and you would hear sounds. And then you realize that like people aren't just hearing voices, they're hearing machinery. Sometimes you'll hear cell phone sounds, sometimes you'll hear whispering, sometimes you'll hear grinding. You can hear anything and sometimes it's really low and it's really subtle and sometimes it's like glaring and you just know, you never know when it's going to come. And so- you, we really went through every single task and then they had to evaluate us and see, like basically grade us and see how we did on these like menial everyday tasks. And it was really difficult. Mm-hmm. And it, it was a big lesson in empathy, I think, for everyone, because, you know, you hear about it, you read about it and you can, you know, we have ideas about mental illness, but to feel it for yourself, it was just really eye opening. So that's not like a really yeah. well done exercise, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. And I was glad that the clients were actually the ones like administering tests to us, you know, and so it put them in a position where, you know, they're human beings and I'm an amputee. So I already approach people as human beings as much as possible. But, you know, we all have room for growth. And I think it went around like in considering mental illness, like there's just not a lot of understanding, you know, mm-hmm. but there's also just a lot of like people telling stories about mental illness without involving people who actually have mental illness. So, you know, so they're telling the stories all wrong and it just doesn't make sense. It kind of reminds me of like a quote where it says like, I don't know exactly what the quote says, but I'm going to paraphrase, but it's just basically like, um, there's, there isn't really a need for written history. Like you can have oral history as long as it like carries or something like that. And I'm like, no, I think there is a need for written history because people need to be able to tell their stories how they want to tell them without you changing around. And I, you know, I'm all for, I'm black, you know, and I'm all for like our cultures passing stuff down. But even as a black person, these people rewrite everything and our, <laughs> so hello. I mean, that's just, like, that's kind of how, that's how I feel about it. So, but yeah. Um, as far as my work experience goes, I spent a lot of time in nonprofits. So my first job ever was working at a very large nonprofit that was based around helping individuals adjust to life after limb loss or adjust to life with limb difference. Mm-hmm. And that was really interesting. So a big part of that was just like working as a peer, not really a counselor, but a peer mentor, just being somebody who's who lives with an amputation and then talking to someone who may be new. So somebody who is like anticipating having their limb removed or who's recently had an unexpected amputation happen or who just gave birth to a child. And they're wondering like how, you know, they're in the grieving process and wondering how like life will be. So you're basically like the future that they're looking toward and you're speaking to your past experience so that they can understand what life kind of looks like and what their new normal is kind of going to be like. And then also like restore hope. Because mm-hmm. a lot of things that I used to encounter in being a peer mentor is like this idea of like, oh, my life is over. That's the first thing they say. Like, my life is over. I can't do anything. And I'm like, 
well, who the fuck do you think he's talking to? Like, do you think my life is over? Because hello, <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying? You know, and it's like I would be very empathetic to them and let them know, like, you know, there's still life to live. It's just not gonna look exactly how you want it to look. But it doesn't mean that you can't do a lot of the things that you want to do. It just takes time. You're gonna have to rebuild your confidence, rebuild, rebuild your sense of self, and like get to know who you are as a person now again. So that was a big part of that. And then something really interesting that I talked to Jesse about before the call is that there was this idea that I wasn't a real amputee. And that was something that really affected me because I would like have these conversations with these clients as they're calling. And they would say, well, you don't really know what it's like because you were born as an amputee or you're not really an amputee because you didn't have an amputation. So you'll never know what it's like to be here. And I'm like, that's crazy. And I will say this mostly came from white people, okay? <laughs> <laughs> all that, white people. Follow all, under, they were all white. <laughs> no, fall that under, want to be oppressed so badly. Because they, they all yes. look at my shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, seriously. Like, uh-huh. Seriously. I'm just like, how are you going to tell me? I've been here for, I was like, what, 24 at the time? I've been here for 24 years, doing this for 24 years. You've been here for six weeks. And you're telling me, I don't know what it's like at all. And you're right. I don't know what it's like in your experience, but you don't know what the fuck it's like in mine either. You didn't have to grow up like this. And they're like, well, if you don't have it, then you can't miss it. Bitch, who are you to tell me what I can and can't miss? That doesn't even make sense. Yes. And so I had like a, I had a, a time where I was really like, you know, questioning my identity and trying to see how I identify. But it was really good for me because I, I never thought about it from that perspective. You know what I mean? So it was like another way for me to kind of change focus and like really take a look at myself and see like, you know, how do I want to be defined? And what are my boundaries? Because I'm going to tell these people how they're going to address me. <laughs> Period. <laughs> and that's it. And then um, my next job after that, I worked for an, like an even bigger nonprofit um, where I worked with ex-service members and a lot of, well, everyone who was involved in our nonprofit has some type of injury. So there were a lot of people who were dealing, well, you know, if you're a service member at all, it's very taxing. Like yeah. m- mentally, emotionally, spiritually, there are so many sacrifices that service members make even the ones that are here who are never deployed. Like, it's just, it really amazed me, like the strength of the people that I would encounter. And I mean, some of them were assholes. So please don't get me like <laughs> strong assholes, but I can understand, <laughs> but I can understand, you know, it was, it was so many things that they were carrying. And then a lot of people were coming back with like traumatic brain injuries. Um, some people would come back as amputees. Some people were coming back with like, you know, internal issues. It was just a little bit of everything, but above all else, everybody was dealing with mental health issues. So it was just, and then I started counseling again because I took a brief break and I'll talk about that later on in the call. Like I started counseling again during my time at that job and it was again, really eye opening, like in all the things I had to do with there. So, but yeah, so that's basically my experience in a nutshell. And I guess that's basically why I'm here. (laughs) Yes. Um, Thank you for being here very much. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, no, when I was thinking about who I wanted to come in on the mental health episode, because I definitely thought that we should have a guest speaker, because I think with mental health, it's always really good to hear from lots of different perspectives, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Especially in both of our communities, it's just like, the more people that talk about it and normalize it, the better. So I was like, we're going to bring someone else on for sure. Um, And I was like, (laughs) debating between you and another friend, I was like, wait, 
Amber's gonna Amber's gonna tell us some real real shit right now. Yeah, but also has yeah. like the actual professional knowledge to back it up too. Oh yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm here for. I'm really honored to be here too. And you call me a guest speaker. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Adding that to my resume right now. <laughs> um. All right. So what's we get into it about our own stuff so what is what are each of your relationships with mental health what is my oh that's my home girl (laughs) i am very i'm trying my counselor i guess i'll just use her description of me she i came in and i sat down and she was like she listened to me talk about my childhood and everything she stopped me and she was just like i just want to acknowledge like your spirit and your willingness to come here and unearth everything and I was like, yeah. yeah. She was like, she was like, nobody ever wants to do that. Like, people want to shy away from that. People don't want to talk about everything. And I'm like, what? Then why do they come here? I said, I want to get all this shit up. I said, get all the shit. Get all the shit in the back. Get all the shit on the side. I need my flowers to grow in this garden. So we got to pull up all the earth because I'm going to do this. Okay. <laughs> and I needed to, I needed to be right. And she's like, you know, you've been through so many things. And your spirit is just so resilient. She's like, and that's not something that you can teach in counseling. She's like, that's great. And I'm like, well, a big part of that is me being very like, you know, cognizant of what's happening in my life and acknowledging it. And I think a lot of that has come from the trauma (laughs) that I couldn't run away from that I had to face. And I think that that kind of shifted for me because it was just like, when you go through so many things that are just so earth shaking, you're just like, I don't give a fuck. I don't care. <laughs> I just want to feel better. And I just needed to be along my process. I needed to find tools. I needed solutions. And I'm I'm very much solution oriented. So I'm like, give me an article to read. Give me a book to read. Give me something to work towards so I can feel better and be better. I want to be my best self. So. Wow. Yeah. Nice. I feel that. I feel that really mm-hmm. a lot. Um, except for... I would say I feel very similarly, except for the fact that like I haven't gotten there with like the actual counseling of it. Like mm. in, in theory, I I know that counseling is helpful and it should mm. be helpful and it should help me get to the place that you're talking about. Mm. I just haven't had the right counselor, um, and I feel like I'm open to it. I think for mm. me, I definitely at at different points in my life, I've thought very differently about mental health. Like when I was younger, I didn't really even consider it. Like I didn't understand that that was right. something that I should even be like aware of and should be nurturing mm-hmm. because no one mm-hmm. talked to me about it. Mm-hmm. And then when I was, I was forced to, to like go on my mental health journey, like our sophomore year of college after my friend died and it was like mandated Same. that I was a therapist, right? So I, that was like my first experience mm-hmm. to it. Um, he, was a, he was a cool guy. We didn't really have a connection. I remember you know that. I mean? yeah. yeah. He was a he was a cool guy. It was just like it wasn't for me, right? Mm-hmm. And so for me, I've done a lot of like my mental health work like on my own and not necessarily with someone who's a professional. Um yeah. and I've just been like I like just like you, I'm like, I want to feel better. I need to figure out what makes me feel better. And so mm-hmm. I've spent a lot of time doing that on my own, but without the help that I want yeah and I definitely understand that yeah I was probably similar like I was going through a lot during my puberty um but I thought that was just like somebody going through puberty but I was like 
having like suicidal thoughts and things like that. But I will talk about that with like two of my best friends who are like who were also going through the same thing. So I thought it was completely normal. Yeah. Um, but I had like a period where I wasn't even talking to my parents or anything. And I was just like to myself. And I, I was like, you know, I, you are so absorbed going through mm-hmm. what you are going through that you have no idea how to reach out to anybody if you're even like if you even need help and then as I was growing older I was like man maybe that would have been like depression yeah (laughs) and then once we started teaching I was like wow I see so many high school kids that are dealing the same thing and I'm like I I started like changing my thoughts about mental health so I was like seeing a lot of ads about better help and talk space and all that and then I got some help, although it's very expensive. <laughs> um, yeah, I was gonna say that too. Better yeah. help is super expensive. I do better help. It it's like yeah. 180 a month, and it's just yeah. like not in. in That's but it's still cheaper than like you seeking an actual counselor, and you know your insurance might not even cover it. Yeah, our insurance That's is crazy teachers. though. Our insurance for teachers is shit. Like we, it yeah. does not. Oh, well, I knew that. Girl, I mean, my mama, my mama's a teacher. Yeah. My, everybody in my family's a teacher. So, like, it's supposed our other insurance is better. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But for mm-hmm. mental health in particular, it's really trash. And I think that's really fucked up because, uh, yep, our job that doesn't has, even make sense. Our job <laughs> has so much secondary trauma, right? Like, <sighs> Pac and I were talking about that uh, last week because I found out that. Uh, trigger warning guys because I'm going to talk about rape but I found out like, like three of our or no two of our girls had been raped mm-hmm. recently and I was just mm-hmm. sitting there just like shook like just mm-hmm. shook and I was just like there's a name for this and I was like ah, oh, duh it's secondary trauma but like mm-hmm. we don't have the help for that as teachers mm-hmm. that it's just so oh my gosh and it's like thinking about what y'all said it's just so weird to me now how normal how like we normalize trauma yep. like you know what I mean like it's so normal to like suffer it's normal to like be dealing with suicidal thoughts to be dealing with depression to be miserable at your job to you know to just hide these things away and just keep persevering because it's like the American way and that's what we're doing it's you know mm-hmm. to show your strength is like the best asset and it's just like Going after you go through counseling, you get in situations where you can actually unpack things. You're just like, what the hell was I doing before? Like, mm-hmm. no, all you it's like you, you snap out of the trends and you can see that like that none of this is healthy. None of this is right. Mm-hmm. So oh I, I, I do think that the counselors I have had have been pretty good at like shining that mirror for me. Even if I didn't feel like we had a connection and I wanted to mm-hmm. spend more than like four or five sessions with that person i think that they were very much like this is like these are your traumas here Mm -hmm. like you need Mm -hmm. to acknowledge these like that's not normal um Mm -hmm. uh and i think that was helpful for me Mm -hmm. um are you guys currently seeing anyone oh yeah girl (laughs) i went back to my counselor um like proactively before Mm -hmm. i started getting divorced I was like hey girl I'm about to go through the fire (laughs) I said I don't know what this is gonna look like but I gotta leave this man okay I said listen I'm gonna talk to you you talk to me because people I'm in the south I'm from Atlanta so like 
it's still very much traditional, like when it comes to like marriages and like just Christian values for marriages. I don't give a fuck about any of that shit. Do you hear me? I don't. <laughs> so like people were just telling me, oh, you know, as a wife, you need to work harder than the husband sometimes. And, you know, you just have to put your feelings on the back burner and, you know, make sure your husband is taken care of and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, fuck you and you, because I just have to say, if I can't take days off and this man can treat me crazy and disrespect me and I'm not doing that, I'm not doing this. No. So I, I talked to like two of my friends I trusted and I reached out to my counselor and I said, listen, I'm going to talk to you. You're a mental health professional. I'm going to lay all this stuff down online and I need you to, you know, let's talk about resources. Let's talk about what's normal and what's not. And she's like, actually, this isn't normal. And she wouldn't tell me to leave, but I already had made up in my mind I was leaving anyway. Mm-hmm. And so she was like, great job. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it, it was just like perfect timing for me. And so I went to her for maybe like a month or so because I had to go with no insurance. And so mm-hmm. my sessions were a little bit cheaper, but I was literally on the poverty line because I just had a baby. I lost my jobs because there's no job security for pregnant women. And mm-hmm. it was just really hard. But I like worked it around and I, you know, I, I just made sure I had that $75 for my appointment so I could go. Mm-hmm. So, and it, it was like, I just tried to collect as much stuff as I, like as many tools as I could before I couldn't afford to go anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so that's what I did. But now um, I've been seeing her again for maybe like a year consistently. So I see her like wow. all the time. Yeah. And she's my homegirl. I told Jesse my trick that I tried the first time was I called uh, my insurance and I told them like, I want to look, they were like, do you want to look in your neighborhood? And I was like, yes. Cause it's one of the blackest neighborhoods in Atlanta. I want to look here. And I, I looked through the list and I found the blackest name I could find. <laughs> Cause I said, I need somebody. I was, I was at a job where I was, now I know I was being sexually harassed. Like my boss actually forced me to go to counseling after I had a miscarriage. He was, it was just ridiculous. And so what he didn't know is in me going to counseling, he thought I was going to talk about the miscarriage, but I already knew how to grieve. So I was okay with that. Like I was fine. What I really learned was, hey, I'm being harassed at my job. I need to dip. Like, I need to (laughs) And so it was perfect timing because she's like, wait a second. Let's talk about this. And let's talk about that. Like, as soon as I told her, she's like, why are you here? I said, my boss told me I had to come. She's like, do you know that's illegal? I said, no, I don't. But I do now. (laughs) Wow. I did not know that was illegal. It's illegal. You can't make someone go to count. Like, you can't decide, like, this is a requirement for you to have to go. Yeah. Yeah. You can't do that. So, but it was good because I was like, she was like, I basically was like, wow, he's really not shit. Like my boss. And she was like, yeah. Mm-mm. <laughs> you know, she's really, really sweet too. So I've been talking to her since like 2017 on and off, but for the past year since I can afford it and it's covered through my insurance. So I don't have to pay like, yeah, at all. They, I just call them. And when I finish my six sessions, it's like six sessions per topic. And I just start over. They give me so many activation codes. And I'm like, is this okay? And they're like, yeah, just what's the topic? And I'm just like this. And it's true. We do change topics because my life is changing. And so they're like, okay, here's your new activation code. And I've just mm-hmm. been doing that. So I haven't paid for an appointment in over a year. That's dope. Yeah. yeah. That's really, really fortunate. Really, really fortunate because it can be very expensive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I definitely consider the 180 to be cheap in comparison to other things and i also the way that i rationalized in my head i was like 180 bucks a month for your mental sanity like come on mm, you know what i mean true. 
Like if, if you have it, then there's no excuse. You know, it's a like, big if you have it. And then we're in this pandemic now. And so when I chose to leave, like my ex, I didn't have any money. <laughs> I was on food stamps. So I was like, it was just like, I had to decide like, am I going to work extra hours? So sometimes I was working for like two months at a time and taking care of a newborn baby like just to afford to be able to go to counseling. And so it's like, it's something that's just very much not available to you if you're like living close to or below the poverty line. Mm -hmm. And those are the people who normally need it the most because you're the most Mm -hmm. stressed out. (laughs) You're not able to eat the ways that you need to, which also, you know, messes up your mind and stresses you out even more. Like you can't, you don't have space and time for the things that you really love, you know? So Mm -hmm. I think... I know both sides of it, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I don't know, I don't think, and I'm always a con- conspiracy theorist, but I don't think that's an accident, right? That, I don't think it's an accident either. Whole Foods isn't an accident, okay? Mm-mm, mm-mm. Food deserts <laughs> so, are accidents, and mental no. health deserts are accidents either. Wow, well, well, well. Yeah. Becca, um, uh, are you seeing anybody? I was. Um, I started BetterHelp like when pandemic hit mm-hmm. and I was going nuts, especially with my parents. Um, and I was like mentally so stressed out. And I was thinking about signing up for like Talkspace or BetterHelp way before I tried like those free trials. And I was like, I don't know if I can afford it. But that time I was like, you know what? I really need somebody. Um, but finding the right counselor was really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, Ooh, yeah. Yeah, we can talk about that, girl. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, BetterHelp has it's a great service. Um, mm-hmm. It's counselor matching is trash, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it's just like trash because so it prioritizes things that to me make it feel anti-black, right? So when I filled out my when I filled out my stuff, right, I w- it was it asked you like, do you want to have a counselor of your own race? It asks you, like, do you want to have a counselor of, like, your own sexuality if you're queer, right? And mm-hmm. I checked both, but... Same. But obviously, no. if I have to pick a choice, don't send me no white queer man. Send me a black straight <laughs> woman. Like, what's good? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't give a shit. If he's gay, we don't have anything in common, right? Like, No, he, it's completely different. Exactly. Like, even his experience as a gay man is nothing at all con- like my experience as a black uh, woman. The intersectionality like, uh, that you're facing is what? <laughs> yeah, and so I'm, I'm sitting up there just like, the fuck am I going to do with this man, right? And so like, we're, he's having a Throw back. Throw back. I eventually did. I went I went to like, I went to like three sessions with him. Um, and I, what I will say is something I, I knew going into going to three mm. sessions with him that I, I absolutely should not have gone through three sessions with him because I knew the moment I got matched with him, this wasn't going to work. And Mm. I'm just like, he's not, he's not going to understand me. He was like a white Mm -hmm. gay man from Indiana and he was like in his fifties and he, I'm sure he's a great, he did give me tools that was help that were helpful. (laughs) But at the same time, they were just like one size fit all tools. Right. So Mm. they would have very generic. Yeah. They would have helped anyone, but it wasn't like for my specific, shit mm-hmm. and I was in a way that I was just like mad uncomfortable with I was just like we have like mm-hmm. we're opposite ends of the spectrum here in mm-hmm. every sense of the way like even when it came to like 
socioeconomic shit, he was like, he was like a poor white dude. And like, yeah, my family is not poor. We're not well to do, but we're not poor. And I don't think mm-hmm. we've been poor since I've been alive. Like, yeah. Okay. Occasionally, there have been like hard times. Hard but times, like, yeah, but that's normal. You know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. to me like we were already there was like literally nothing that matched except for we were gay, and being gay is my least like that's who I fuck. It, it's not me. Like, <laughs> you know what nah. I mean? <laughs> like it's like the the I didn't. It makes up my identity, but it's like the least mm-hmm. like influential part of my identity, right? Right. So I'm just like I don't fucking care, like. We not even talking about who I'm dating right now. So what you got? <laughs> it's, true. it's true. That's why I'm so surprised that you stay so long just knowing your personality. I'm like, I can't believe you let him make it that long. Listen, he probably need a counselor after you. <laughs> no, and you know, I I I I feel like I needed someone to talk to, and I felt like I needed to give counseling a shot. Because I know that for me, I'm always in and out of wanting to do counseling. Like there will be times where I'm like, yes, let's do that. I should totally get a counselor. Um, And then there's other times where I'm just like, I don't need that shit. I don't want that shit. I don't have the time to do that. And I don't, I don't think I need it. Um, But I, I'm recently shifted to the idea that like, like you said, be proactive, just like have a counselor, Mm -hmm. like shit's about to pop off. Or even if shit's good, why, why only go to a counselor in crisis? Right. And mm-hmm. so I was like, all right, let me go see somebody. And then like he was the worst. He wasn't the worst. He was just not a good fit. He just wasn't a good mm-hmm. fit. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the current lady I'm seeing is like a better fit. But the things I liked about him, she doesn't have, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Oh, that's tough, yeah. yeah you do so- have to shop around, but then shopping mm-hmm. around is a whole also- job. It's mentally taxing because you're like, shit, this isn't gonna work for me. Like, and you have and to like tired of telling the same people, telling people the same thing, like starting over. It's like starting a new relationship. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it depends on the count. Like for him, he really wanted to just like get in and we'll like talk it through and what came up came up. And with her, um, she is really all about like kind of like front loading. So once I told her that I wanted to come in to talk about childhood yeah. trauma and how it was impacting mm-hmm. my life currently, um, she was like all right, fill out this questionnaire. And that shit was triggering as fuck, right? Like, I was just like, girl, like, I didn't understand that I had this trauma and this trauma and this trauma, and you have oh, me do this by myself, and I'm overwhelmed now, you know? That's like, weird. I, yeah, it was a really weird experience. So her questionnaire, like, it talks about, like, it talks about abuse whether it be sexual physical verbal emotional it talks about like people going to prison it talks about like Mm. it talks about literally anything that could pop up in your childhood as traumatic Mm -hmm. like your parents having addictions any and like i consider myself to have like had a pretty solid childhood except for like Mm -hmm. these moments of intense trauma right and they weren't necessarily like anything wrong that my parents did or anything like that it's not that it's just life Right, Life and so yeah. when I was going through it, I was like, shit, can my parents abuse me? No, what, what the fuck is this? And it was just like a lot. It took me it took me three weeks after filling out that questionnaire to sit down with her because I was just like so overwhelmed by, by the questionnaire. Mm-hmm. That's weird though. What I will say is like, it kind of sounds like she uses that questionnaire to do the work for her. Yeah. And that's what I can't agree with because- I had to fill out a questionnaire for my counselor 
And mm-hmm. she's known me. So when I, like, every time I come back, I have to fill out this questionnaire. Now, the questionnaire is basically open-ended question. What are your focus areas? What is your, what, is, what are the issues you're dealing with now? What would you like to visit? Is there anything that you would like me to know before we get started? What are you looking for out of this counseling experience? Those types of things so she can know. Like, what do you feel like will help you? So, like, I can put, like, oh, I would like some articles. I would like some books. I want, you know, like, that makes more sense to me than, like, check. Like, she literally treated it like it was, like, a physical checklist. Like, does your family Mm -hmm. have a history of diabetes? Like, yes. Yes. And it it was, like, it was so, like, Mm. detached and kind of cold. Really thinking about what these things mean, you know, like. And it, 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 I didn't like it, and so it's it's taken me a bit to like establish a rapport with her because mm-hmm. of that questionnaire. Um, and she's like really nice. She's very much like meets me where I'm at kind of thing. Right. Um, doesn't get upset when like I because she likes to text me through BetterHelp, but I like I got shit to do. I'm making a point. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. She doesn't really get mad at me or upset when I don't respond to her messages. I mean, uh, she can't. She your counselor. You don't need her feelings on you. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. She can't do that. Like, counseling is supposed to be a nurturing experience so that yeah. you can feel the ease and, like, feel like it's a safe space to be vulnerable. You're not going to be like, hey, stranger, nice of you to text me back. <laughs> no, she did kind of say something like that. She's like, wow, I haven't seen you in a long time. I had a, I had a, that's like, shady. <laughs> <laughs> you probably were like, you know what? That's fair. Cause I'm a little shady too. <laughs> when she said it, she was like, I was like, yep. I didn't respond to that message. <laughs> I wouldn't <laughs> respond. That kind of, that like, I don't like stuff like that. So it's like, I just, I don't know. Well, I, basically, I, no, I was basically just giving her the vibe. Like, that's why I'm here. I avoid things. That's your job. but like okay so if for instance if it was my counselor she would be like hey i've noticed that you don't respond to the text you know you'll drop off in the conversation in the middle of it um is it something about it that makes you uncomfortable or can we talk about that that's how that should go it shouldn't be like oh fancy seeing you here (laughs) (laughs) and now you kind of get why that like She's not f- passing my vibe check. You yeah. Know? They have to give you good vibes. And I've been thinking about my counselor the whole time that we've been talking to him. Like, I just, it's it feels like I'm going in and I could just bounce ideas off of her. So mm-hmm. it's like, I don't feel like she gives me too much. And I don't feel like she gives me too little. And I feel like I'm just there to bring my things, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Maybe I'll get a different one. It's It's hard to shop around, though. I feel mm-hmm. like try some people. Can you pick regionally? Because I feel like you should maybe try some people in this, like down here. Because my sister also had a similar experience with our counselor in DC. And she was just like, wow. Like, I was just telling her about my experience. She was like, wow, you and your counselor have tackled so much. My counselor and I, I've been seeing her for six months and we don't talk about anything. And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, like this this girl and I, she she really went deep on our first session and the session since yeah. then. She asked me what I want to talk about and like yeah. Part of the reason why I'm there is like I don't open up about my feelings. Like you got to ask me a question, girl. You just can't just be like what you want to talk about. I'm I'm going to say mm-hmm. I'm good. That's why I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> my counselor's over here. Girl, my counselor's over here asking me stuff and I'm like 
I didn't even think about that. Yeah, no. <laughs> Girl. No, she doesn't yeah. she doesn't really push my thinking. She does she does do a lot of validating of things that um mm-hmm. I've already thinking about. I think also part of what is not working with me and counselors is that when I come in and I already I know the lingo. I know what I should be doing or what I should be saying. And it's like they think that I'm a lot more I'm not saying I'm not well adjusted, but they think that like they don't have to tell me as much. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Not nah, girl, if I wouldn't be here if I didn't need help. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel what you're saying. No, I mean I get more out of both of you than I do out of the counselor. Oh no, no. <laughs> I'm like, that's crazy. That's their job. I mean, I appreciate that. But like that's their job. What's good? <laughs> you not subscribed to me, cash at me. <laughs> Only if you cash at me back. I will. <laughs> um okay. Yeah, so that's I'm glad though that all three of us have experience with counselors. Right. Mm-hmm. Even if they're not yeah. necessarily always positive that at this point in our lives we've all tried it. Hey, yeah. I think everyone should try it. And see yeah. how they feel about at it. At least one time. Maybe maybe give it three tries. Because my I'm first time to. my first time was not that great. If y'all want to transition into talking about that. Yeah. We can. What what was your first experience with a counselor like? Okay. So my first experience was immediately after my best friend passed away and the anniversary was yesterday. So it was in 2012. Um, and I just was like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Cause this is the person that I, you know, was my person to help me get through everything. And I lost him. So I really don't know what I'm going to do. So I went to, you know, Westwell <sighs> and I, <laughs> and I had, um, a, a meeting with a counselor and she sat there and I saw the horror on this lady's face as I was telling her about my life and what I was going through. And she was just like, wow, you're so strong. You are just so strong. And she kept telling me that. And I was like, I'm black and I'm a woman. I know. I don't need to hear that shit. What can I do? Where are the articles? Give me something to work with. She's like, you know what? And she started taking out paperwork. She's like, you can consider taking a leave of absence. And I was like, girl, like you can take an academic leave and just like, you know, get your mind together. And I said, again, I'm black. I'm from the city. I can't take breaks, babe. I have to be in school. Like, I'm not privileged. I can't just go home and sit on my ass. Like, I have to have this situation so that I can actually move into a different tax bracket, babe. Okay? Like, I work to be here. I can't just go home. Like, my family doesn't even respect grief. So, I can't just leave here. You know? So, after that, I was just like, fuck this. Mm-hmm. Now, the I would say my first real experience with counseling after that was um in 2013 when I after I took a year off and I came back to Wesleyan's campus and I had just moved in and I was there for like a week and I turned to Khalif who's my best friend and I was just like I'm gonna pack all my shit and I'm going home because I can't fucking do it I was just like I just can't and I was about to graduate like this is my last year and I was just like I can't I can't stay here and he's like please 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 just talk to Professor McHeron. and let's talk to her first like let's leave here let's get in the car with her and let me just talk to her and see what we can do and so I talked to her and she was like 
I understand that you want to leave. She's like, but before you go, can you just set up an appointment? I'm going to set you up with Alicia Warren, which was, um, she was a sexual violence counselor. So she mm-hmm. wasn't even supposed to be seeing like, you know, students outside yeah. of that. But she made an exception for me. And I went in there and I remember the first thing she said to me, like I was just telling her about my life and I was just like, you know what? I guess it just is what it is though. And she's like, what does that even mean? bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's like, she's like, it is what it is. What does that mean? Like, I want you to sit here and tell me what that really means because nothing is what it is. Like you have, you're young, you have an opportunity to be here. And then the things she told me after that is, she was like, it sounds like you don't feel like you deserve to be at Wesleyan. Like there's space for you here. She's like, you deserve to be here just as much as everybody else, even if there it doesn't feel like it's a space for you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? Yeah, that imposter Talk to me more. That imposter <laughs> syndrome at Wesleyan was a thing, like a real thing. Yeah, feeling and like it wasn't that I didn't know I was. Yeah, it wasn't that I didn't know I was smart because oh baby, I can hang with y'all. Okay, mm-hmm. I can hang. It was just that there were no spaces that celebrated Black women like me or Black women at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it was just like, it was just, it was very taxing and it helped me like unpack so many things that year. But that's when I really like started diving into my childhood and like, you know, just like learning about so many things I had been carrying from the time that I was like younger and like, you know, really from high school and like my early adulthood. So it just helped me really gather like the foundational tools I needed to kind of carry on for the next few years until I met my counselor right now. And then we really got into my young childhood. So, word. I like, I also was forced to do counseling at Wesleyan after my best friend Mm -hmm. died. Um, I think mine actually started a little bit before yours because Tessa died Mm -hmm. in 2011. Um, They made you go? Yes. They They didn't make me go. I just volunteered. No, they made, they made me go because I had a suicide attempt. Um, and they, I was like that. Okay. I think I I don't remember now. Yeah. And I was like, that really fucked up. And so they were just like, yeah if you're going to stay here, you're going to go see a counselor or you're not going to stay here. Um, and I was like, mm-hmm. all right, cool. So I got, uh, I got assigned this guy counselor and in our first session, he, I'm explaining to him like why I'm here. And I'm explaining mm-hmm. like how, almost like how, cause like part of my suicide attempt is, was like, I definitely thought that my best friend was a better person than me and that she deserved to be here. And I didn't. Right. Oh, I went through that too, so I understand. You know, and I was just like, this isn't this isn't right. Everything is fucked up. I also just had like a really uh I wouldn't even say coming to Jesus, it was a coming away from Jesus moment because she was also mm-hmm. like kind of my spiritual friend, yep. like the friend that I really went to church with, the friend that I yep. really yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Not that actually. No, literally the friend that took me to church. And so like I learned Oh God, no, no, no. I mean we're right here because that's oh, what it was for my could- no! <laughs> you're so freaky and nasty i went like this no, no there I was no i can't i meant this oh Not no this. <laughs> i thought you went like a vagina no edit this edit it out yeah. just kidding keep it out like it is fun this i went like this you said like we we were going through the same thing at the same time so it was like the exact same situation and that's why we that's literally how we became so close Mm -hmm. it was right before that though like which was so weird we just started talking right literally right before it happened and then we both lost our best friends back to back yeah like it was devastating yeah yeah tessa died in like march of 2011 which is weird her 10-year anniversary is coming up and i don't know how i feel about that 
Um, but like, I I know that I really didn't like that counselor because the first mm-hmm. in the first session, he I'm telling him while I'm there, I'm just like, you know, my best friends died, da da da. I tell him where I live on campus, um, yeah. and he's like, oh someone on your hole just lost their dad and they're my they're my patient too and i was like oh you mean my friend who i know and you're talking about his shit in my session how can i trust you oh my god you know what i mean i'm just like how like how how can i trust you like i knew exactly who he was talking about because me and my friend had talked about losing people close to us because we were friends i'm like Yo, like he was one of the only people on the hall who actually understood what the fuck I was going through because he was the only person who I lost someone. And so he like me and this guy did get to talk about what why I was there and I definitely credit him for the reason why I started to write the way that I write because he mm-hmm. he basically the one thing he was like he's like you need to just write this down. Like you need to write and you need to talk about it that mm-hmm. way. You need to put it in the paper and you need to express your emotions. So I started writing poetry and I got big into writing mm-hmm. while I was there. And it really did make the difference. I don't think I would have gone through Wesleyan if I wasn't writing the way I was. Um, mm-hmm. And like grieving through my writing. I think my mm-hmm. I think my senior project, like my big like poetry project was, a, it was about Tessa. And I made like a, mm-hmm. a chapbook about Tessa. And I was like, that was what really helped me grieve in ways that talking to him didn't. Um, yeah but he was he was also a very useful tool you know he was like she needs to live live by herself don't put her in a room with nobody else (laughs) he was like "Uh uh-uh single forever (laughs) girl i know you happy about that i was happy when i moved into my single too so i'm Mm -hmm. not gonna lie and he got the the admin off my back he was like she's going through some real shit she's got it like you need to leave her alone stop threatening her like she's good She's not good. good. (laughs) Exactly. I love that phrase. Like, not okay right now, but I will be. That's what I always say. Mm -hmm. I'm not okay, you know, but I will be. Or I am. It's like I'm not okay, but I am in the long run, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, I think that just comes through living through a lot of trauma. Like, once you've lived through such huge traumas that, like, have happened in both of our lives, you Mm -hmm. know that it, you will get past it because you've gotten through such large traumas before. Like, oh yeah, there's always, even when I'm going through some crazy shit in the back of my head, I'm like, all right, like, but I'm gonna be okay because I have been in the past. There's never been anything that really has ever stopped me from being okay. Mm -hmm. So that's it for this episode. I hope you guys really enjoyed it. Um, We have two more episodes with Amber. So if you really liked our conversation, please follow us on Instagram at underscore soul and soul that is underscore s-o-u-l-a-n-d-s-e-o-u-l and subscribe and turn on that notification on your favorite podcast app bye bye